second thing is as leaders, we set an example for those around us and maybe more of an example even than we think at times. So if I give myself, let's use the term permission to, um, to work out every day and, and say this isn't optional when I'm not busy, this is essential, this is the first thing I do is take care of myself. I give permission to others to do that and then the world becomes a better place. So I show up. Being on a podcast, what you call is too much of But writing to me is a it's a compulsion. I was, I was one of those hard workers that what I see the fitness industry and the sports performance industry has probably done a better job in looking at nutrition as as it impacts it than like we're FaceTiming with someone, which is <laughs> interesting. Um, so uh, Eric Rosa, today's guest of the Escapes Corner. And um, yeah, the the new CEO, I don't, I, is it okay to say new anymore? Because it's been now for a year since, plus. Since we're past my anniversary, maybe it's not quite new anymore. It's not new still anymore. still fresh though. <laughs> Maybe fresh is a better fresh, word. Fresh, look very fresh. So Eric, you had a blasting workout this morning. He's been traveling from country to country, seeing hundreds of people. And I'm very honored, first of all, that you took the time to put this into your schedule. So um, thank it's you. a pleasure to be with you. And um, yeah, we've been chit-chatting a bit. And uh, just before we tried to fix the technical stuff here and... Uh, uh, I always like to understand everyone that is, you know, if it's in the fitness industry or if it's in business or so on, it's like where their drive comes from, what what makes them tick. And uh, usually it's something, let's say, not very obvious maybe. Um, but uh, before we, <laughs> we dive into that, um, I just thought we would start from how how did you decide you you will open up an affiliate I had uh, I had really seen the magic of CrossFit um, since I had started 12 years ago and I've always been very passionate about fitness in general so when I found CrossFit I just couldn't believe that I hadn't discovered it prior um, it, CrossFit obviously wasn't nearly as big 12 years ago, but it still had some scale in the U.S. Um, and I was already 40 when I found it. And I, I just felt like I had been wasting time until <laughs> then, just not doing real workouts. So I immediately shifted at the time I was running a lot and I had injured myself running. So I, I got really into CrossFit, was introducing it to my friends, talking about it all the time had actually started people doing CrossFit at my tech company that I was leading at the time and decided then to open, um, open my own box. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty interesting, uh, interesting point of view because, uh, yeah, most people that 
open up boxes and affiliates they want to they do it because they really well felt ha the change that happened and something i wanted to talk to you about and ask you about like is this um let's say connection between um well being a good leader and being a fit because usually that's very neglected um in, in like in, in mean, corporate business do you mean leaders neglect fitness or people who are really into fitness neglect leadership <laughs> <laughs> uh, no I, I think it's the uh, the opposite way around to be honest the, like i think fitness are a bit better at let's say trying to improve their leadership and coaching and whatever but especially in corporate business uh, like fitness and health gets neglected to a far extent and how is it you know this connection then from you coming from a pretty big company uh if i'm not totally miscorrect here but um how, how could you see like that your health improving your fitness improving pour into your uh well then current business i think there are two things that were important to me as a leader with fitness one was just personally I need to feel energized and um, I've always felt most energized when I'm taking care of myself with fitness and sleep and social connections um, and doing things um, to replenish my energy and so I felt like I could show up better as a leader taking care of myself um, the second thing is as leaders we set an example for those around us and maybe more of an example even than we think at times so if I give myself, let's use the term permission to, um, to work out every day and, and say this isn't optional when I'm not busy, this is essential, this is the first thing I do is take care of myself, I give permission to others to do that and then the world becomes a better place. So I show up better at work, I, get, I give other people the example, they start doing it, they feel better, they show up better at work, it's, it's a nice virtuous circle. Yeah. So and I think it I think it's a competitive advantage for companies for the leaders to be fit and for um their teams to be fit. Exactly. <clears throat> and I couldn't agree more. How do we get more leaders uh in big corporations and stuff to actually get their eyes on I can be, you know, Warren Buffett and still be fit. Yeah. Well, I don't know if anyone can be Warren Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's but, extreme. Um, but we can be the best version of ourselves. Again, I, I think I, I'm not someone who believes in long-delayed gratification. I believe we need to see payoffs and results. And the beauty of CrossFit is we see results very quickly. And I see my energy level the same day and the next day higher after doing a CrossFit workout. I feel better about myself because I'm taking care of myself. And so I think for leaders, they need to try it, right? Mm. I, I, so many people, as they age, they, they get in worse shape every year. Mm. Um, and we always talk about in the United States, I always think about if you gain one pound every year, right, from the time you're 30 until the time you're 80, you're 50 pounds heavier. Mm. And in addition to the forces of aging, you have the forces of being overweight, making you less able to do things functionally. I, I think when we speak of functional, functional fitness, we're not just talking physically, we're talking mentally as well. 
Hmm. And it, it helps so much with anxiety and depression and, and PTSD and other things like that. I think it's non-optional. I think it's essential for people to take care of themselves with fitness. And I obviously, I'm biased, but I believe CrossFit is the best way to do that. Hmm. And it's important to say it's not because I'm in my role that I think CrossFit is the best way to do that. The causality is the other way. Hmm. The reason I'm in my role, the reason I want to spend the rest of my life doing this is because I already believe CrossFit is the best way. Hmm. Yeah. No, I, and I see this so often with, uh, you know, well, we have in our gym, for example, people that come from tech industry, uh, programmers, uh, we have leaders, we have project managers, managers and so on, and they do these massive leaps in their f health and fitness. And, you know, one year later, two years later, uh, they they have like a total shift in their, uh, or shift, but like a massive breakthrough in their career and everything. And... Uh, it's amazing, isn't it amazing? One th yeah, that's so amazing. But it's like so hard for us to quantify how like the connection you yeah, know yeah because that's always something i want to connect to people with it's like hey you put in because uh going to the gym you're, you're you're investing your time that's the most you know important thing of your day probably your time but also uh of course your money so where is that money going and what's the return of that invest so connecting that to people's yeah, their 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 actual let's say priorities in in life, uh, if they're it's their job, if they're leaders or whatever, um, and uh, but yeah, from that to still on on the point of lead leadership, you said something about like leading by doing kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I saw your your son has started CrossFit. <laughs> uh, is that also something you nurture? You know at home or yeah i have uh, i have four kids damn it i have three. Oh, do you okay. <laughs> yeah. and they range in age from 10 to 16 mm. and um i think we have to be careful with our kids not to inflict our interests on them we yep. need to give them their own space and expose them to different things and let them find their own way and all my kids have tried crossfit and have done it a bit but none of them is completely addicted to it the way I am yet and maybe they never will be maybe they will be it's their own it's their own decision but I think that um, they like uh, they they like movement and um, as an example when we designed my my 13 year old daughter's um, loft in her bedroom we put a little ladder up to the top a metal ladder and right next to it we put a metal pull-up bar that <laughs> hangs from her loft in her bedroom as well mm. and her 10 year old sister a year ago got her first muscle up <laughs> on, on that pull-up bar yeah. so that was pretty cool <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's awesome I, I i definitely couldn't agree better how is it with um because um, i also see this transfer how it translates from being also a, like a parent into also being a good leader have you felt any situations like in uh, through your career where you were like okay i've been through these kind of stuff at home uh, so i can kind of see you know how, how this translates well it's interesting because i think in the workplace 
you have positional authority, right? If you're a CEO mm-hmm. and a lot of people will um, give you the benefit of the doubt and follow, follow your direction. Um, with my kids, at least, that doesn't happen so much at home, right? You have to, um, it's a different kind of leadership and it's very humbling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they need, you know, they need more space the more you push them, the my kids, mm. the less they're going to um, comply. Um, and so it's a, there, there's things I can learn at home that translate to work. There are things that work that translate to home. But mm. at the end of the day, these are two different examples of leadership, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only thing I've really th- thought of that really translates very well is to see people. Like, <clears throat> you know, if your kid... Say, is doing her first muscle up and you're there seeing that that's like the you, you have the connection same thing at the workplace when you see someone for their you know hard work or anything they really like okay yeah nice i don't need a race i, I just need yeah. to, this yeah, you know so confirmation ag- igno- acknowledgement yeah. and helping them celebrate yeah. and I, it needs to be very sincere and authentic right it can't be forced it can't be a formula mm. and it needs to be very specific as well mm. if we generally say you did a great job that's okay mm. or thank you that's okay but when we say i really like the way you did xyz it was very impressive because it led to abc outcome mm. that's the most powerful praise i think we can give mm. Have you read uh, Carol Dweck's book about candid le- leadership? Um, I've re- I read Carol Dweck. Is she she's the one who really um, exposed us to um, growth mindset? Also, right? Is that the same person? Um, I I actually when you say that I think I've I've totally mixed two two yeah, girls up. Because I think so. Yeah, I think Carol Dweck is was candid. Was sorry was. Um, uh, growth mindset. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, exactly that's more in the. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a. Uh, I'm totally blank on, on her name. Sorry, um, but it's about candid. This is radical candor. Radi- radical candor. Candor. Yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. <clears throat> um, and I don't remember the author of that one, but no. it was another woman. But I don't remember the author. And she she explains her job and role as a CEO. So she was working at our startup and. She got to office and she was, you know, got bombarded from her co-workers about like, oh, I have my wedding, oh, I'm sick, I have this and, and so on. So 5 p.m. she has basically just got to her office and now she needs to start to work. Yeah. And she was so upset uh, about that. And then she had this just mindset shift where she was like, wait a minute, that is my job as a CEO. Mm. <laughs> how is that? How does that relate to you? Do you have? Um, yeah, explain how, how it's like a typical role for you now. Well, I do think that part of our job as a leader is to um, empathize and to be there for people personally if they need it. So I've always tried to show people that I really care about them personally. Um, at the same time, I need to... Um, do some it's my job to do some protecting of my energy and of my time Mm -hmm. and if everyone is pushing their problems at you professional or personal it can be very depleting if we if we're attached to the 
outcomes and we feel like our job is to solve things. A lot of leaders, and this has certainly been my case, we get our identity from problem solving. And so the temptation is to start to solve everyone's problems, <laughs> personal or professional. And that's not what people want most of the time, right? They want you to listen and be there for them and give them space mm. um, to solve their own problems and you can kind of challenge them. Um, but I would say that's been a hard thing for me on my leadership journey because I do like to get right to solutions. Okay, what are we gonna do? Here's a good idea for you. And I think the more we can evolve as a leader, the more we will hold back and, um, and again, create space for the person, show that we care, but keep some detachment from the, from the problem. That's their problem, mm. it's, not, it's not your problem. And the same with time, as you mentioned, um, we can't spend the whole day taking in problems because it can deplete your energy and you have no time and the whole time you're not present because you're looking at your watch saying, mm. should I gotta get out of here, <laughs> you know? So, uh, but you t touched on a very important point there and it's <clears throat> kind of prioritizing your time in one sense. Um, but that, that need, it like requires clarity. So it does. how, how do you keep yourself clear minded of, and basically what's how to keep focused because um, I looked a bit on your resume and it seems like you, you're like a octopus in, in multiple businesses all over. And I totally understand that you're not like in the daily operations of all these businesses, but um, how do you stay, yeah, how do you keep clarity and how do you stay focused? Well, I, I tend to go very deep on things while I'm doing them, but I do like having a lot of balls in the air. You know, hmm. I, I get more energy from doing that than only having one or two things going on. But at each time, I try to be very focused. I will tell you that at my best, um, I'm, I'm very focused on saying, today, these are the two or three most important things, and I'm going to push through them. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm not at my best, which also happens a good amount of the time, <laughs> then I'm just kind of moving with I'm letting other people set my agenda for me and I'm you know mm. clearing my email box and clearing my texts and hearing people's problems and jumping around but at my best it's much more we need to get done this today so for example with CrossFit when we were launching CrossFit affiliate programming I was very focused on that mm. you know and I, I knew that was something that affiliates needed I knew it was something that coaches needed it would be good for the community and so I was spending um, almost all my time on CrossFit affiliate programming getting into great amounts of detail on how the product worked and how that we did a small acquisition to enable us to launch that so mm -hmm. I was very involved in the acquisition also awesome. sometimes there are important things that I'm not as involved in, but on this one, I really wanted to be the one to drive it. Um, and I think I was at my best then in terms of giving it a lot of focus, um, but not every day is like that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you've been definitely having a lot of alpha in the air since, uh, since you took this role. Um, but um, yeah, take me back, who was Eric? at 15 where were you you know i was i think i had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder 
So I think I had a little bit of entitlement that the world owed me something. Mm -hmm. um, I was good at school, but I didn't work that hard. So I was lucky to be good at school. Um, I don't feel like I worked that hard. I got, um, at the age of 13, I, I started playing the guitar and I got really into music. So I would, at the age of 15, I was playing the guitar probably two, three hours every day and singing. Um, and really, and I st it's still something I do today. And in fact, I have a gig. I, I get home tomorrow, Tuesday, and I have a gig on, on um, Saturday and another one the following Thursday. That's not always what it's like, no. but I have two coming up. Um, so that's been an important part of my life. So if you saw me at the age of 15, I was playing in a band. I was going to see a lot of music. Every day I wore a concert t-shirt, every day. <laughs> so how many hours did you also spend looking, uh, searching for uh LPs. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I did a lot of that too. Yeah, I was, I was really, really, really into music. Um, that was by far the most important thing to me, more than, more than sport or fitness was at that age. Mm -hmm. I did, I did that. I played, I played some football, and I, um, you did. I, I, I had started skiing by that point, but um, music was much more important at that time. Where did you grow up? Grow up. I grew up on the east coast of the United States in Philadelphia, which is a big... Oh. Uh, it, I was not in Philadelphia. I was in the suburbs of Philadelphia, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's a few hours from New York City. Yeah. Yeah. I, everyone knows Fresh Prince, so... Right, right, <laughs> yeah. And Philadelphia is a historic town. It had a big place in the Revolutionary War and so on. It's one of the oldest... It's where Ben Franklin was from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah I know somewhat of... Philadelphia, especially all the ice hockey players in the 90s. That was my, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's my yeah. gym. No, yeah. but I, I definitely, I can connect to this. Um, um, so when I, I was 13 and I got like, it was like a new world music open for me too. Are you a musician? Yeah. What do you play? I also play guitar and I sing and I write. Let's uh, go right now. <laughs> I, I, but I, I, I'm, I'm not the best at all, but... Um, I also been, you know, touring and gigging. That's great. Uh, well, it's come. It's kind of like CrossFit. It's really irrelevant if we're the best, yeah. right? It's it's a it's an activity we can immerse ourselves in that pulls us out of our head mm. and gets us in a different flow state. And so it's funny because we can I can get competitive uh, certainly about CrossFit and even about music. And you know, you'll hear someone amazing play the guitar or sing and say, "Why do I even bother?" Right. <laughs> Which yeah. is the nice thing about writing songs, because when you write your own song, it's like no one else could have written the song. Yeah. It's kind of cool. It's very cool. Uh, what do you remember what song or band that was that made you kind of like, well, OK, I can tell you one moment. Um, this wasn't maybe the first one. I think the first one was the Beatles. Yeah. So I fell in love with the Beatles very early on, and then um, Bruce Springsteen probably. Um, yeah. What else were my early albums? Grateful Dead. I had one of their greatest hits albums. Obviously. That seems like to be like the, the CrossFit band. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I'll tell you that one of my magic moments with listening to music was I lived in France also growing up. My father's okay. French, and they had fr they had some friends who were I think they were Scottish, and we went over to their house. Mm -hmm and the guy was playing something and i fell in love with it and it was dire straits sultans of swing oh yeah and i thought that was the best song i ever heard in my life and so then i started to listen to 
Dire Straits and all their music, but I learned the solo I, in, when I was 15. I learned every note of the solos to Sultans <laughs> of Swing. I just listened to it over and over and over and over. And it wasn't, I didn't play very good versions of the solos, but I played all the solos. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 an, yeah, I, I can, I can totally see that. I'm, I moved to Berlin because I wanted to go deeper for my musical career. And because um, I thought like everyone was kind of growing up back in Sweden and getting busy with their lives and job and everything. And I thought ah, I was working as a consultant. So I was like, I can kind of do my own time. Yeah. But Berlin is this, you know, artistic city with a lot of like, you know, it's just it's a bit of anarchy when it comes to bar life to uh, to all that. So a bit like if I could imagine how Greenwich Village was in, in the, in yeah. the States yeah. uh, or in New York, I think that's how Berlin was like 10 years ago. Yeah. And it still kind of is because you, you still have like totally uncontrolled uh, uh, like musical market and concerts just popping up and all these like, you know, outdoor stuff happening without any permit really. And, you know, a lot of just artists. So I thought, good, Berlin. It's the city to go, not too far from home, and I can just, you know, there are people there that have a lot of time, so yep. we could create a band, and we're just gonna, you know, crush the market. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and uh, but then, um, yeah, I also discovered CrossFit, and uh, also got to become a parent. So, I didn't. I I, I left my guitar kind of when I moved. I, I never, I never like I played one year, and then like just stopped and then when I got my first daughter then I took it up again and uh, we uh, and this I think I've developed more in my musical touch if we say since I got my my kids yeah so uh, I don't know if you have that where you you know it's the same thing as with CrossFit you can't force the kids to play music right yeah. but just having that ambience of like hey dad can play the guitar and uh, gladly sing for you uh i hope that kind of uh i don't know attaches to them yeah some way yeah. um and uh, have you um uh, how, how how has it been for you ha have you had like bigger breaks in your your musical i have yeah <laughs> i i when i started to have kids and i have four kids um I had a pretty big break, certainly a big break in gigging, mm -hmm. but even playing much less, writing songs much less, but I would try to play for my kids and mm -hmm. I would write some silly songs for them, right? Um, Those are the best. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, my oldest son in particular and my younger son, not the girls as much, but um, they, they used to really like to sing with me. Mm -hmm. um, and it wouldn't always be the songs you would think. You know, but some song would catch their attention and they would want to sing with me. Um, that doesn't happen as much anymore. Yeah. But it makes me very happy when it happens. But as they got older, then I came back into playing externally. Um, and I was divorced um, or separated three years ago and then divorced soon after that. Mm. And that really opened up playing for me as well because the kids were with me half the time, very focused on them. Mm. And then the other half, I had a lot of space to play music. Um, and so that opened up new songwriting. Mm. Um, I, I go through long gaps with no songwriting, mm. sometimes years. 
and I think I'm never going to write a song again. I'm done. It's empty. <laughs> There's nothing left. And then some magic happens, and I start to write again. But it's, uh, I also see this similarities with CrossFit where, like, the, let's say you, you have a, a workout and kind of you have all these problems going on, and especially as a leader, you have, let's say, bigger problems you need to solve and are tiny whatever but you go to the gym and those problems disappear you come back to work boom you have new ideas yeah how to solve them and so it's like a catalyst of right uh, yeah for those that idea creation and so on and music has the same capacity for like mental let's say clarity too right so it you does. you have all these things and especially I, i don't know i have this hypothesis that Uh, the most, uh, let's say, sad people are probably the ones that made the best songs, <laughs> you know, in one sense, uh, because they have something like really and really needs to get out. Yeah, I think there's a um, there's a sensitivity that's there. I think where um, to to be when I'm at my best as a musician. I'm tuning into something that other people aren't tuning into. It mm -hmm. might be emotion. Mm -hmm. It might be something. It might be a feeling in my body. But there's something going on that maybe even for me, I don't usually notice. Um, and so I think that's true for people who create any form of art, that they have. there's maybe more sensitivity there. Um, and I've always been a, you know, sensitive in that way, I guess, where I feel things I think that other people don't feel. Mm -hmm. And I do think also that... Uh, playing music or writing music is one of the best ways for me to get into a flow state. And, um, and that's true with CrossFit too, you know, kind of, as you said, and, um, I do think those flow states translate because they get, they translate to better success at business and better success with personal relationships because it gets you out of your head and all the bullshit noise in your mm -hmm. head, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So it comes down to, It creates you this mind space for suddenly you get a bit more clarity. And I wanted to kind of hook back on, on the things kind of we talked about at the beginning. And it's this like, what could, because you've been, you've been in the tech industry also for such a long time. So you have very good insight into how that is. Uh, what things could like CrossFit learn from tech? companies and what could tech companies learn from CrossFit? Um, I think that CrossFit can learn from tech companies the importance of um, innovation while respect like we, we talk about with CrossFit we innovate while maintaining the methodology and I think that's what we've tried to do and so in, in the tech world if you stagnate and don't innovate you die because mm -hmm. your competitors do that. So I think that's what CrossFit can learn is we can continue to get better and innovate at what we do and find. And, and I think the other thing, obviously, with technology is um, sca scalability and thinking how can we grow. Mm -hmm. it's, I think it's very important to keep growing. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's, that's number two. Um, I had a third one. Uh, oh, I think... The other one is CrossFit always talks about outcomes and we see outcomes, 
but I don't think we measure outcomes very well in CrossFit. And I say, I think the importance of data and analytics to measure outcomes mm. is a great, is very important. And it can persuade others also to come. Mm. Some people are persuaded with emotional arguments and some people are so, um, persuaded more with analytical arguments. Yeah. And so it's important for us with CrossFit to do both. I think in terms of the other direction, I think um, what, what tech can learn from CrossFit is the importance of personal connection. If I had to pick one thing, that would be it. And so much of tech is trying to create an abstraction layer and use technology as a substitute for human connection or, or a, a way to connect with more people. So it scales the number of connections, but it weakens the quality of those connections. Hmm. And I think with CrossFit, the way we build community, if we compare CrossFit to a social network is completely different and it's much, much stronger and it's much more energizing. And when I first discovered CrossFit 12 years ago, I said, oh, and I worked, I worked a lot with the social networks in my job, mm. but I was never a big user of social networks. Mm. Um, and I didn't find that it brought out the best in me to use social networks. I'm always looking at how many people like my posts. Yeah, yeah. It's so stupid, right? Yeah. Um, but I can't help it. I'm human. Right. Yeah. And, um, with CrossFit, the first time I did, I said, Oh, this is the real social network, right? It's connecting this community and real people seeing and touching each other. Hmm. So I think that's what tech can learn from, uh, from, from CrossFit more than anything else. Yeah. You, you touched on something interesting. You said, uh, some people are emotionally, uh, interested and some people are more by the data. Yeah. And do you know who uh, Jordan Peterson is? I love Jordan Peterson. Yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, sounds like we have the same reading list. <laughs> it sounds like. Uh, now we spent. Uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time uh, through his material, but um, something it taught me in because I always see like what can I learn from this industry or yeah. from that, and yeah. I worked a lot with hotels. So what can CrossFit gyms learn from the service, mindness, and mm. and everything from hotels. That's a great one. Yeah. And but then I, I stumbled on uh, Jordan Peterson's. Um, I mean, it's not his discovery or anything, but it just sums up like you know the the personality traits that people have. Yeah. And if you know personality, it's not really from tech or so, but just if you know personality traits a bit better. Um, you also know how to engage more with people. Yeah. Like, is it data or is it emotion or are they disagreeable, agreeable? And I even did a, like a small analysis of what's, what's that like, how did CrossFit grow? And I, I, I thought like, actually CrossFit was like the, this bunch of disagreeable people at the beginning, you know, and how do you get disagreeable people? on the same page it's by saying we against them mm. so we are you know we are uh we're this fringe and we're doing this and like all these others are kind of our memory uh our enemies like uh yeah figuratively speaking but uh that creates this connection and then i think crossfit has evolved so we're not the disagreeable people anymore right i hope not now because when we look at our gyms most of our members are uh you know really happy fun uh moms and dads yeah 
Yeah. That's most of the members at the CrossFit gyms today. And of course we see like these, the extremities, like the, the uh, I don't know, Tia, Claire Toomey's and so on that are like awesome athletes, but they're, n they're not doing, like they're not a big part of, like it's not a big number of the members out right. there in the community. So we, I think that's uh, something that has, let's say, maybe changed. And I think it was maybe different when CrossFit just started. Maybe right. it was, uh, you know, it was just this, you know, bunch of people. And then the thing that kind of attracted was this like elite yeah. fitness. But uh, the, cra the crazy thing is that um, with data, you can actually measure and see um, how we make someone f going from sick to fit right and this uh, yeah uh, sickness and and uh, fitness continuum is one of the things that I, I was uh, you know blown away about well I think um, I like what you said about um, the change in the cultural aspects of CrossFit since the early days I think there's some truth in that and I think that part of it was it was a much smaller group of people doing CrossFit. Um, that's not at all the way that I want to see CrossFit now or going forwards. But I think it's very natural for humans. Humans like to be in tribes, yeah. right? And as soon as you get into a tribal mentality, which again, is, it's a natural state for humans, it can then easily become us versus them. Mm. And that can, strengthen, um, that can strengthen bonds and strengthen cultures. Um, I don't believe it has to work that way. So mm. for me personally, I think, I like to look at people's common humanity and say, and Greg Glassman has a great quote, right? Where he says, CrossFit's not for everyone, but it's for anyone. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that anyone can do CrossFit. And I think we should, I'm not critical of people who don't do CrossFit because I think people who don't do CrossFit can be future CrossFitters. Mm. Yeah. And so um, I want to treat them well. And then when they're ready, they'll come mm. to us. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I think this tribalism, um, I think there's something good and bad from it. Yeah. So, but the, what CrossFit has showed us <laughs> much more than maybe other sports is that is there any other sport where the athletes back each other up so much uh, and affiliates even you know yeah. um, and I would say no like we have these like say we have competitions we have those things going and you have these athletes on the floor and you have like a full community behind them there's no like, no, I'm f just for the Americans or I'm only for the Swedes or whatever. Right, no, it's, right. it's very like that was an awesome achievement. And, yeah. and we can really uh, yeah, acknowledge that, right? Yeah. I mean, CrossFit has already become not just the biggest fitness brand and chain in the world, but one of the most global sports in the world. Mm -hmm. CrossFit's, I'm sure, in the top 10 of most global sports now. And you're absolutely right that now we have things in common with people in 
the Middle East that we don't even know, right? And CrossFit is happening in Saudi, Saudi Arabia, mm. and it's happening in Abu Dhabi, and it's happening in Dubai. Mm. Um, and so that makes the world a little bit smaller, and it starts to change the tribalism of us versus them of different cultures, which is really nice. Yeah. I, th I think one aspect of it is uh, the health part of it, like the fitness makes you healthy. Yeah. And I have to go back to Jordan Peterson again, but um, there, there are clear studies saying that the healthier people are, the more open they are. So uh, healthier, happier people are much more open to new ideas. Right, right. And the more disease you have, the more conservative. Um, it closes you. It closes you down. And because you're moving down Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Yeah. Where you're just trying to survive instead yeah. of thriving, I think. And that's usually where all these, you know, if you want to look from a societal point of view, is like that's where, where you see the cultures of retracting, being right. afraid of other cultures right. or, or so on. But uh, so I, I don't know. This is my hypothesis. We make people more open. We make more people more right. happy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I want to, I think we, we're kind of out of time. I could keep, keep on talking for, for hours here, but, uh, again, I'm super happy for you taking the, your time today. You have a busy schedule and we're going to move on to <laughs> the, the other stuff today. Do we have any final words from, from you? Have it, have we missed anything? I, I know we haven't talked so much about like, what's the main plan of, of CrossFit yeah. and so on. But I think... I've talked about that a lot. You've talked about yeah. that a lot. So yeah. I think we we don't need to maybe um, do a deep dive so much of that. But I... I I'm, well, you yeah. know, here's what I'd say is I think we have a big promise to people and I want us to uphold that promise. And I think the promise is you will get healthier if you devote yourself to CrossFit we will help you get healthier we will help you be happier and we we will help you being be higher performing not just in the gym but as you said in your work life as well and most people who do crossfit see these things we've we've surveyed them now so we're not mm -hmm. just hoping this is true somewhere between 75 and 90 percent of people find that they say, tell us that they're happier they're healthier they're higher performing as a result of crossfit mm -hmm. So that's the standard that I look for. And that's the standard of what we need to do as you're an affiliate owner, I'm an affiliate owner. Hmm. And it, the way that we do it is by providing everybody with an excellent experience every day when they come into the gym. It's hard to do. It's hmm. very hard to do. Hmm. But we have the tools and we need to provide a great workout. We need to connect with members and that will create a great community that happens on its own. And when the great community gets created, now we have the recipe with the workout and the methodology and the great coaching relationships and the community to make people healthier, happier, and higher performing. And we'll reach more and more people. And before we know it, 10, 20, 30 years, we've got 100 million people whose lives are changed as a result mm. of CrossFit. And that's, a, that's an amazing thing to achieve you know, on this planet during our one chance to be here. Mm. Um, I actually have one last two last questions that's it <clears throat> first one short one um which book has made the most impact on you you know professionally or privately 
like after reading it, you were like, okay, new mindset. You know, there are a lot of books that um, probably have had a big impact on me. Um, I've enjoyed some books that um, that talk about mindfulness and presence um, and spirituality separated from um, religion so that it mm. applies to everyone. Um, and so one book that I really enjoyed was um, Sam Harris, Waking <laughs> Up. You read that too? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have the same reading yeah. list. That's great. Um, awesome. And then there are some... Um, there's some other shorter books. There's a, a Buddhist, a Vietnamese Buddhist monk named Thich Nhat Hanh, mm -hmm. and he's written some wonderful books. Um, one is called Peace is Every Step. Um, and then there's a, another one, and that's just short pieces, one to two, two pages each, mm -hmm. just on everyday life and enjoying everyday life and just being really present for it. There's another similar book called um, by... Um, John Kabat-Zinn called Wherever You Go, There You Are. And that's another amazing book that just is, helps, helps me be present in my daily life. I heard about that book like three or four times the last seven days. Oh, really? I, I think Maybe it's, it's time. Yeah. It's time. <laughs> yeah, funny the way that works. Well, last question, uh, which is maybe the hardest. Um, name one, like one of your biggest mistakes you've done and what you learn from that? I think a mistake that I've made and, and maybe continue to make is to identify too much with my professional identity. Mm -hmm. And that makes it very, um, that can create a lot of challenges when things aren't going well at work. It, it, it helps drive me to be successful, mm -hmm. but it probably makes me less, hap less consistently happy as a person if you, if you depend for your identity on what you do for work. So that's something that I... It's a challenge that I work on all the time. Awesome. Yeah, I think um, why I'm asking is not because I want to put you on the spot. I no, want to. I think that's where we make the biggest learnings is by our, you know, mistakes. And yeah, I often ask people um, when I'm interviewing them for a job, I say, mm -hmm. what's the biggest mistake you've made in the last year? I and work tell too me, hard. Tell me what. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I learn too fast and I work too hard. Right. Um, and what have you learned from it? Um, mm -hmm. And if people can tell, you know, can be specific about a mistake, I know this is someone who's going to learn. Mm. which is one of the most important things I think for somebody as a, as a professional to keep learning. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, thank you so much. And Thanks I for look, me. I look forward to talking about Sam Harris, Jordan yeah. Peterson, everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Until next time. And, um, yeah, look Thanks forward to you. Oh, you got the Louvre. Um, yeah, I got the rest of Louvre. Mr. Mr. Daniel Chapman. And today I got a Being on a podcast, you could call it too much of that. But writing to me is a it's a compulsion. I was I was one of those hard workers that but I see the fitness industry and the sports performance industry has probably done a better job in looking at nutrition as, as it impacts it. Than